Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It's a topic that sparks up controversy every year, but this year is different. Vancouver's first 420 protest in the legal marijuana era. Critics say it's now more of a money-making festival and it's high time organizers pay their fair share. But as Jill Bennett reports, the city's mayor doesn't appear to be ready to crack down on behalf of taxpayers just yet. On April 20th, this field will be full and then some, with 420 falling on the Saturday of Easter weekend and celebrating its 25th anniversary. The reality is that Sunset Beach is one of Vancouver's main public squares, and there are simply not other venues in the city that are suitable for a crowd and a protest of this size. But with hundreds of vendors and a party atmosphere, some are once again questioning why this unsanctioned event, one that looks like a full-on festival, is still called a protest, especially given that this year, Cypress Hill will be the musical headliner. We can't even afford to bring a headliner in because some of our city costs are so high, so it feels really unfair. Vancouver Pride also started as a protest. Hundreds of thousands of people now attend every year. It gets civic funding, but not nearly enough to cover the costs of permits and policing. Pride says 420 should pay the same fees. Own up to what you're doing. Um, call it a festival. Go through the process like the rest of us do so that you're being a good fellow citizen. The bulk of the cost picked up by taxpayers for 420 is for policing, with a price tag of almost $270,000 for 2017 and 2018 combined. Aside from our policing bill, 420 pays all of the costs to the city and park board associated with our event. Vancouver's mayor and at least one councillor say the event should be relabeled, but there is no timeline on when or how that might happen. What I'm really hoping is uh, the 420, uh, what was deemed as a protest, will eventually move into a trade show. They need to get with the program and move on and support just like any other event. They need to pay their share of costs um, and they need to respect the rules. 420 organizers say not only will the event take place at Sunset Beach this year, it will continue there for years to come. Jill Bennett, Global News. A mudslide in South Surrey White Rock has impacted passenger rail service between Vancouver and Seattle. The slide came down onto the tracks about eight kilometers north of White Rock early Wednesday morning. It was about a meter and a half deep, 18 meters long, but it was cleared a few hours later, allowing freight service to resume. Amtrak service, though, could be back tomorrow once an engineering assessment is completed. In the meantime, passengers are being bussed around the affected area. An explosion and fire gutted a pub in Surrey overnight. Witnesses reported seeing someone running from the building. And while police dogs were unable to track a suspect at the site, Nadia Stewart has more on how RCMP later caught up with a man who's now being questioned. 
Clouds of smoke filled the sky over Jack's public house in Surrey. An early morning fire destroying the restaurant and damaging the liquor store next door. The fire department got a call this morning at about 3 a.m., report of an explosion at this location. It happened in the 9,000 block of 152nd Street. Witnesses say the fire erupted and then a man was seen running from the pub. An hour later, the RCMP received a call from paramedics. They were taking a Surrey man to hospital, and that man had serious fire-related injuries. Investigators believe that the individual at the residence with the injuries um, is associated and is believed to be the man that was seen running from the fire. The 36-year-old is still in hospital. Police say the fire is suspicious and the man's connection to it is under investigation. I wonder if they have some security cameras or something. It's kind of weird. Like, why would they would want to burn the place down? Like, it doesn't make sense. The damage here is extensive and the impact far-reaching. Matt Kennedy and his band were scheduled to play here on Saturday night. All of a sudden this morning we get a call and see it on the news saying, oh, the place burned down. Instead, the restaurant is a total loss. They lost their gig and their sound equipment. Our sound guy had over $10,000 worth of gear, uh, sound gear, lighting gear, uh, stuff to essentially put on our show on Saturday. And that's all gone. The band is hopeful they'll land another gig soon. They also hope this isn't the end of Jack's Pub. Nadia Stork, Global News. Well, RCMP want to know if you've seen a missing psychiatric patient. Christopher Askey failed to return to Colony Farms in Coquitlam yesterday. He was on a day pass, but when he hadn't returned by 10 p.m. last night, he was reported missing. Askey may behave in a way that presents a risk to himself or to the public, so if you see him, call 911 and do not approach. And Vancouver police need your help finding 46-year-old Kevin Hodgson. He was last seen leaving his home near Main and East 28th Avenue back on February 28th. A friend reported him missing to police nearly a month later on March 25th. Investigators believe he had plans to go kayaking around the time he went missing. Anyone who sees Hodgson or has information about his whereabouts, you're asked to call 911. Homelessness is an increasingly divisive issue in many communities. In Maple Ridge this weekend, critics of the province's plan to force council to create temporary modular homes will be rallying in opposition. And while the mayor of that community recently found himself in the hot seat for ramping up the rhetoric on the issue, as Aaron MacArthur reports, he's not the only one raising concerns. People coming here to carry on uh, doing drugs and basically raping and pillaging all of our community and our businesses, and that's got to stop. It was a poor choice of words, but the mayor of Maple Ridge won't back down. I, I don't apologize for those comments. Those comments were made in the spirit of extreme frustration. Mike Morden says the provincial government is trying to force another modular housing project on his city when he claims it's clear the first one didn't work. So we've got an addictions and crime problem and we're taking people off the streets from a camp and we're putting them into a situation where they can't get the help that they need. About four years ago, sleeping in behind the dumpsters, I found out. The issue has sparked a public relations campaign. The provincial government using taxpayer money to promote the value of social housing. We've been doing a number of videos over the last number of, of months, making sure that we understand and that people understand what impact uh, this has when we invest in people, that their lives are better as a result of these investments. 
But Maple Ridge, not the only city complaining about modular housing. Now, the percentage at Labio, uh, 250%, is a startling number. Nanaimo's RCMP officer in charge says crime is up dramatically around the two projects built to replace its homeless camp. Clearly things have to improve uh, and I am hopeful that uh, VC Housing and the managers of the facilities will just start to make the improvements. There are 23 communities with modular housing in BC, 51 units in Maple Ridge alone and more to come. There are fears the city is becoming a hub without the proper services. I know the province has got very limited resources to deal with this. I want to apply them effectively, as effectively as I can. The provincial government showing no signs of slowing down on the number of units it builds. Some communities now questioning the social costs associated with the structures and whether they really are less than the status quo. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria for more on this. Keith, how's the Premier reacting to this pushback they're getting for the province's action on homelessness? Yeah, I detect a growing frustration, uh, Sophie, because last week John Horgan uh, sort of bristled, I think, at uh, uh, suggestions that no, not enough was being done to meet uh, Mayor Morden's concerns in Maple Ridge. Today I asked him again, what about it? He says, basically, there's no magic solution here. You just don't snap your fingers and, and solve this thing. And I think it's a frustration that comes the longer they're in government, they're realizing there's no easy fix. He took a bit of a shot at the council in Maple Ridge today, saying a lot of people there seem to believe in make-believe. We need, to, we need to make sure that there's a, appropriate law enforcement. We need to make sure to the greatest extent possible we can have buy-in from municipal governments. But in the case of Maple Ridge, there is a sense of uh, make-believe that somehow there's a better solution on the horizon. So this issue obviously is not going away anytime soon. There are going to be more questions to the Premier on this. And it's going to be interesting how he reacts as the pressure builds and this fight continues, well, I think, will widen and deepen between the mayor there and Selena Robinson, the housing minister, and the Premier. And it's interesting they actually are spending tax dollars on a video like that. I haven't seen anything like that before, which I think speaks volumes of how serious a public relations uh, issue this is for a relatively young government. Thanks for that, Keith. In Victoria. Our next story is related to a lot of the issues in that story. For years, it's been a major challenge for first responders, a spike in overdoses and incidents on what's known as Welfare Wednesday. Now, a solution could be on the way. Private members' legislation has been introduced in Victoria to stagger the distribution of welfare checks. But as Richard Zussman tells us, change may not be that simple. It's the day first responders across the province worry about. Welfare Wednesday. It's a huge issue for us and partner services as well, and I imagine community groups to see that acute spike in calls, in need, in, in need for assistance uh, once a month. Right now, the provincial government hands out welfare checks on the third or fourth Wednesday of each month. Because of the availability of cash, drug use climbs, and that means a spike in overdose calls. OD deaths also up, nearly 40% in some cases following Welfare Wednesday. That is why BC Liberal MLA Jane Thornthwaite is calling for a change to when the checks are handed out. We need to space out uh, the distribution of these uh, checks so that it will give uh, first responders a break. The BC Centre for Substance Abuse is currently looking at this issue. The provincial government will ultimately make a decision on what to do based on the findings from that report. We will see what they have to recommend and we will make action that we will take action if necessary if it's about keeping people safer. The Vancouver Fire Department isn't the only group supporting the change. The Victoria Police Department has also asked the province to consider easing pressure on Welfare Wednesday. 
But where there is concern is for those who actually receive the checks. For the people that we serve, um, it won't necessarily be any better for them. I mean, a lot of times they know roughly when their check is coming in and that allows them to plan their, their month. The province is expected to get the report back in the next few months and should make a decision soon after. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. Right now, though, reaction is mixed tonight to a massive rental development planned for the Falls Creek waterfront that will transform parts of Kitsilano. The project involves the lands at the south end of the Burrard Street Bridge and includes up to 3,000 new units of housing. Sarah McDonald is live tonight in the area. And Sarah, while the city needs the housing, the project is already raising some concerns. At least among some who live near this site, as it stands now, it is largely industrial, but likely not for much longer. And the big question now is just what will be built here in the coming years? This prime parcel of real estate is poised to become the site of a massive development project that would change the landscape of Vancouver. But the city has no say in this one. The legal jurisdiction really resides with Squamish Nation. So anything goes? Well, uh, we still have to see the details. That's because this is all Indigenous land, owned by Squamish Nation, which has big plans for the site, involving some 3,000 purpose-built rental units, among other things. It's envisioned as a largely rental project, um, and the exact number of units or, or square footage isn't currently determined, and there's still a lot to figure out there in terms of uh, different factors. It's the uncertainty of exactly what is in store that's piqued the concern and curiosity of some homeowners. We're talking 3,000 units. We're also talking roughly 5,000 people. That would mean a rapid influx of vehicle and foot traffic in an already congested area. Transit access to that area right now is extremely difficult. So it's going to have to take some very creative thinking. Something the owners of this land say is on their radar. Pitching the project as both an economic opportunity and one way to alleviate the city's dire housing supply crisis. So there's a huge opportunity as well in terms of the trade-offs for the Squamish Nation to play a huge role in helping address some of the regional issues that we're facing. Completion of the project would put the city at 12% of its goal of building 25,000 rental units in 10 years' time and nearly match all purpose-built rentals constructed over 30 years. The city's got enough development as it is. There's too many high-rises coming on. 5,000 more people. It's already getting congested as it is. But just like the project itself, exactly how those already living here will receive it is still a work in progress. Very early stages right now, Sarah. What are the next steps for this project? Well, concept uh, plans still need to be uh, drawn up, but once they are, they'll be presented to nation members for approval. That is likely to happen in the coming months, and we will likely learn who the developer is behind this project in that same time frame. Sophie Squamish Nation says they have chosen one to partner with. They are now in the final stages of negotiations. Coquitlam RCMP are looking for whoever has been setting fire to those to the community's little libraries. Seven of the free book exchanges set up in Coquitlam and Port Coquitlam have been torched. The libraries allow people to borrow, take or donate books in the spirit of community sharing. Books are an incredibly valuable thing for, for any young person or any person who uh, wants to do any kind of um, sort of lifelong learning aspect. So it's really unfortunate that people would destroy something that is just literally free and available to everyone. 
Police say most of the fires have been set late at night or very early in the morning, and they are asking for help from anyone who might have seen anything suspicious around the libraries. A recent study shows that toxic sediment on the bottom of Wood and Cal Lakes in the Okanagan is being stirred up by motorboats, and it's ending up in the local drinking water. As Global's Kelly Hayes reports, it's prompting calls tonight for changes in how boaters navigate the two busy waterways. A boat floating in the middle of Cal Lake, right where some say motorboats should be. The study looked at Wood Lake and Cal Lake. Scott Boswell is with a local conservation program. <laughs> they did a study on the impact of boating on Cal and Wood Lake and came to the conclusion that boats are having an impact on the local drinking water by stirring up the bottom. And they found that there is heavy, heavy metals, bacteria and hydrocarbons in that sediment. And once it can be resuspended, it can actually drift to our water intakes. Boswell says upwards of 60,000 residents rely on Cal and Wood Lakes as their prime source of drinking water. With that in mind, Boswell is recommending boaters stay away from shore. And so we're really hoping to encourage people to use, utilize the center of the lake and stay away from the shallow areas. For those concerned about an outright ban on motorboats, the chair of the regional district says that'll never float. Seeing a complete ban for motorboats on the lake, I think it would be uh, a real hard press at this point. Kevin O'Brien runs a paddleboard shop in Coldstream. He says keeping motorboats away from shore makes sense because he says not only has it become an environmental problem, but also a safety issue. Maybe the boats are out in the center of the lake, but leave the shoreline activities to paddling, to swimming, kids playing on boards, whatever it is. Just, uh, just a bit more uh, a happy place for everybody. But O'Brien stops short of calling for a complete motorboat ban. There are people that own boats along these shorelines that have probably moved here for those activities. Um, and I, it, it would be tough to be able to say you have to leave and go to Okanagan. So. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Coldstream. The numbers are pretty staggering. Ten million people around the world have Parkinson's disease, including more than 100,000 Canadians and about 6,000 new cases in this country every year. Tonight, on World Parkinson's Day, Linda Aylesworth tells us that while a cure is still elusive, research has made a difference in the lives of Parkinson's patients. Today is World Parkinson's Day, a day of awareness and to celebrate how far research has come. It's come a huge distance, which is sometimes hard to appreciate because we still don't have what we really want, which is a cure. Of course, it's a cure that people like Steve, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease 10 years ago, would dearly love. Something that would put an end to the tremors and many other symptoms. It affects all sorts of different things, your memory, your focus, your moods. Um, emotional balance. Parkinson's is complicated. There are likely multiple causes. One of them being studied here at UBC Centre for Brain Health is the role of gut health. The microbes in the gut of people with Parkinson's are more drivers of inflammation. So they lack certain bacteria that would calm inflammation down, but rather they drive inflammation. Inflammation that starts in the gut and finds its way to the brain is another potential driver of Parkinson's disease. If that's the case, perhaps there's a relative simple treatment. We're looking at a probiotic to see if I replace some of these bugs and these good bugs, can I actually improve some of the symptoms of Parkinson's? Another treatment that shows great promise short term and potentially long term, exercise, because of its connection with dopamine, a chemical that's lacking in people with Parkinson's. How much dopamine you release 
is actually affected by whether or not you exercise, which is fascinating. And it has been suggested that you can actually delay the onset of Parkinson's with exercise. And then there is art, or doing anything for that matter that gives you joy, which can also cause the release of chemicals and inhibit disease progression. When Steve paints, his tremors often disappear. The biggest part of the encouragement comes from the fact that there are people who are at the leading edge of the, the research. They don't have the answers, but they're working really hard on it. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is carried out of the Ecuadorian embassy in London after his long asylum there came to a sudden end. Assange was arrested this morning after Ecuador revoked his asylum. He was quickly found guilty of breaching his bail while facing extradition to Sweden and now faces possible extradition to the U.S. After seven years holed up in an Ecuadorian embassy, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange arrested in London, held on behalf of the U.S., tied to what officials call one of the biggest intelligence leaks in history. The Justice Department working to extradite Assange, according to court documents, charging him with conspiracy to commit computer intrusion. Officials say back in 2010, he worked with Chelsea Manning, a former Army intelligence officer, to hack into a government computer, later publishing tens of thousands of secret government documents related to the Iraq war. He's never been a hero. He released classified information and put our troops in danger. This precedent means that any journalist can be extradited for prosecution in the United States for having published truthful information about the United States. Assange arrested today for skipping bail in 2012, stemming from rape and assault charges in Sweden, later dropped. WikiLeaks also gained notoriety during the 2016 campaign, repeatedly praised by then-candidate Trump after publishing a load of damaging emails from Hillary Clinton's campaign. This just came out. WikiLeaks! I love WikiLeaks! Asked about Assange today. Uh, I know nothing about WikiLeaks. It's not my thing. But according to indictments from special counsel Robert Mueller, the president's former political advisor, Roger Stone, was in talks with Assange during the campaign about the hacked Democratic Party emails. Mr. President, Mr. President. Asked today what should happen to Assange, President Trump leaving that up to his attorney general. And Assange's lawyer says they will fight extradition, so it could take months, maybe even years, before he ever sets foot on U.S. soil. Now, if convicted, his charge carries up to five years in prison. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Washington. International human rights groups are urging the Sudanese military to hand over former President Omar al-Bashir to the International Criminal Court, where he faces charges of war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide in the Darfur region. Celebrations in the street today after al-Bashir's repressive 30-year rule was ended by the military coup. But pro-democracy demonstrators are angry that the armed forces will govern for the next two years and have suspended the Constitution before new elections will be called. Ottawa has closed the Canadian embassy in Khartoum and issued a travel advisory for the country. If you're lamenting the departure of our spring-like weather, spare a thought for about 43 million Americans in several states. Like this state trooper in Minnesota, for instance. They are struggling to deal with a spring storm that's bringing winter back for a full-throated encore. 
this morning, more than 50 million people waking up to a spring storm wreaking havoc across the middle of the country. Blizzard warnings covering parts of six states, with some areas facing a simultaneous threat of thunderstorms. The mixture of snow and ice creating a travel nightmare in southern Minnesota, where 40 separate crashes shut down a stretch of I-35. Slick roadways also causing this UPS semi-truck to careen off a bridge in Kansas. And in Colorado, a state trooper injured in a crash while responding to a call. The snow falling at three inches per hour in certain areas. Parts of South Dakota already seeing more than a foot. We're tired, we're fatigued, we're tired of the season just as much as everybody else, and we have spring fever also. Overnight, airport delays and cancellations totaling more than 3,000 nationwide. The frustration felt in Denver, where high winds kept planes grounded. We'll keep an eye on visibility, and our operations team will make that call. To the south, those same winds posing another problem. Dry conditions prompting the National Weather Service to issue an extremely critical fire risk, its highest level. But back in the Midwest, even though April Fool's Day is long past, many starting to believe the weather is just a cruel trick from Mother Nature. The spring blizzard even throwing the Colorado Rockies a curveball. The team forced to postpone its game with the Atlanta Braves Wednesday as snow covered Coors Field. The Canadian Forces is loosening some of its restrictions on dress for women in the military. Under the new rules, ponytails and flats are now allowed, and nylons while wearing a skirt are optional, not required. It's the latest efforts to modernize the Canadian Armed Forces after the recent easing of restrictions on beards, boots and marijuana use while off-duty. In Health Matters tonight, another indication of the roaring success of Green Shirt Day, raising awareness and participation in organ donation. BC Transplant now says 3,300 people have signed up online to become organ donors since last Friday. That's compared to their average of 20 to 40 online registrations per day. Green Shirt Day was organized by the family of Logan Boulay, who died a day after the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. His donated organs saved six lives. And I feel like people really want this Logan Boulay effect to continue. And that's why it's really resonated. Not only are we honoring the humbled Broncos and remembering them, we're also, you know, finding that little bit of hope and inspiration. More than a couple of thousand on the first weekend. It'll be amazing mm -hmm. to see how it picks up next year. I think it'll be very, very cool. Check this out. Intense winds sent a trampoline cartwheeling through several yards in Arizona. The trampoline bounces off a playset and finally comes to rest in a swimming pool. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Again, again. And right after our weather forecast, a major league thrill for a fan in the stands. All right, showers kind of moved through, seemed like all afternoon, but when you see what's going on in other parts of North mm -hmm. America, I'm, I'm not ready to complain about it yet. And there may be some sunshine coming too. Here's Kasia filling in for Chris. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Chris. A good evening to you at home. Yeah, we've been talking about this intense, this powerful winter storm that's targeting the upper Midwest. This is thunder snow that you're seeing, and of course, it's already been deadly, unfortunately. Now, this storm, it is migrating towards Ontario and Quebec. These are freezing rain warnings that we, they do have in effect. It is first pushing in a snow, changing over to ice pellets, then freezing rain. 
it's a mess. Meanwhile, for us, we did see some snow earlier this morning. In fact, let's take a look at what happened over the Coquihalla this morning. Uh, we've got a little bit of a time lapse for you that we wanted to show you. And that's the Okanagan connector, as you can see. So freezing levels, they had plummeted to about 1,200 meters earlier this morning. That was the second round of snow, actually, through this afternoon that we had seen. So meanwhile, moving forward, as we take a look at your future cast, you will note that we begin to clear out. So a ridge of high pressure, it is building. We're going to have plenty of sunshine, dry conditions for our, for our Friday. However, take a look at your Saturday morning. Yeah, this is quite the intense winter storm that we have upon us at upper levels, so at the alpine level. But winter, but the freezing levels are expected to plummet yet again to about 1,000 meters, so those same places that picked up snow. Yeah, we could get another bout of snow on your Saturday. Meanwhile, let's take a look at what to expect for your Friday. Afternoon temperatures are going to be right around where they should be. Dees Lake does have a chance of a rain-snow mix that's uh, through the morning hours and then watching the clouds on the increase for the north coast. Meanwhile, the further east you go, that's where we are expecting just a chance of showers. Everybody else, a seasonal, beautiful day, sun and clouds to the Okanagan, uh, the Thompson regions and closer to the coast, a beauty of a day as well. Enjoy because as we take a look at our long range forecast, guys, let's just call this unsettled for the next several days. So for your weather window, we do a throwback to Tuesday when it was gorgeous and a preview to tomorrow. This thanks to Louise Matskevich. This is Deep Cove. Gorgeous photo, guys. That is beautiful. Yeah. Nailed that last name yes. too. Very, it's very Polish in me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great pronunciation. Good reason for that. Thanks, Kasia. Thanks, Kasia. Well, New York Yankees superstar Aaron Judge has a new fan for life after taking a few moments to make the day of a young man. He's done this before. During a mid-inning break in a game with the Detroit Tigers, Judge played catch with a boy in the bleachers. While the adults around the boy lose it, he manages to keep calm and throw the ball back and forth a few times before Judge has to return to his duties as right fielder. But very nice. I would, like, that ball would hit me in the face. <laughs> Be most unattractive. You got hit in the face of the ball and painful. <laughs> and embarrassing, mostly. Well, I mean, if you get hit with a baseball in the face, you don't have time to be embarrassed because it's pain. a messy bit. Yeah. His real name. <laughs> I don't know. We're looking at, well, bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. Bodybuilders <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Something I will never be confused with. Both in the God, muscle you know part. What? Neither will we. I guess so. Yeah, That's true. Anyway. Uh, hey, tomorrow night, the Whitecaps will be looking for, for the, uh, take two. The, uh, tomorrow night, the Whitecaps will be looking for their first win of the Major League season. They'll be in Chicago. Now, last week, Whitecaps fans didn't love Vancouver losing to the L.A. Galaxy at home, but they did love seeing worldwide superstar Zlatan Ibrahimovic in person. And this always brings us back to the lament of many Whitecaps fans that they would like to see their team bring in a bigger name, a guy who can be counted upon to do something Vancouver hasn't done much this year, score goals. Ball's played across again. Oh, and it falls to Ardaiz! Ardaiz open! What a save! As the Whitecaps continue their struggles to score goals, the chatter from their fans gets louder about bringing in a big name who could help alleviate their offensive pain. Whitecaps ownership has had the same stance since they entered the league in 2011, saying spending big money on a big name doesn't guarantee big results. But at the same time, it never hurts to try. 
players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic are difference makers, and the Caps have had an up-and-close personal view of that. I'm telling you now, the same will happen if we play uh, DC United with Rooney, if we play LAFC with uh, Vela, uh, if we play teams that have some of the guys in the league that could actually make a huge difference. And if the game is 0-0 and you don't finish the big chances that you have, well, trust me that one of these guys could at any moment make the difference. The Caps have scored just three goals from open play in their five games and have no goals whatsoever in their last three matches, two of them at home. It's not a lack of quality chances, just a lack of quality finish. It's like the Canucks depending on Jay Beagle's line to score their goals. It's a tough task. We work on trying to, to put the ball into the net. It doesn't matter who it is. How it is, it's just important is how to, we, we can finish those, those plays. If they don't start going in, the Caps may have to revisit their policy and spend some money on a finisher, where their playoff chances may be finished sooner than usual. Very delay Global Sports. He won last week, so he's in the Masters this week, Ontario's Corey Connors. Now, he's played there before as an amateur, so he knows the course a little bit. Second shot at the par 5, 15th for Connors. That's a yard away. He'd make the eagle putt two under 70, tied for 11. Tiger Woods. Now this one actually will on 14. Right. Yeah. And then it goes. Nope. That's Connors. A bit of a crystal. Okay, now Tiger Woods. I got way ahead of myself. See, I said Connors would make the putt, and he made the putt. This is Tiger from distance. He is also at two under par. Rory McIlroy, who we talked about yesterday, a top 10 finisher in the Masters the last five straight years, but he's never won it. Long birdie putt at 16. In! But he has won over par after 18 holes. Brooks Kepka, who turns it up during majors. Usually we uh, talk about how far he hits the ball. Speaking of a guy who's a bit of a bodybuilder, makes that putt, he's at six under. Phil Mickelson on 16. Could it? Will it? Oh, Might it? Should it? Oh. He doesn't get an ace, but he does get a deuce. And he's five under. Second place. Tied with Kepka at six under. Bryson DeChambeau on the 18th. This one hits the pin. Stayed out. That's a birdie. He birdied his last four holes. Well, the Bruins have been the Leafs' nemesis. I don't think the Leafs have beat the Bruins in a playoff series since the 50s. Mitch Marner, breakaway, tripped. What does that mean? Penalty shot. And Marner making moves on Tuka Rask. Does he ever. That makes it 2-1 in the second period. A lot of odd man rushes for Toronto in this game, like this one. William Nylander scores. 4-1, Leafs take game one in Boston. The champs fired up for game one against Carolina. It's surprisingly agile. He is very, well, usually the, the first series, they're all fired up. Then by the, the end of it, they're all tired. Uh, Nicholas Baxson with the goal there for Washington. He had two. Of course, Alex Ovechkin finding a loose puck and scoring. 3-0 after one. Now it's 3-2. Carolina making a bit of a rally. Remember last night, Tampa Bay gagged on a 3-0 lead from the first period and lost to uh, Columbus. Canada-Germany quarterfinals. This is a nice goal for Canada at the World Women's Curling, uh, Curling Hockey Championships. Blair Turnbull 
scoring. And then Laura Stacy on the rebound. It was a beatdown. Canada five, Germany nothing. Finland is next up as Canada goes to the final four. Five nothing's respectable. It is, but the is shots it? on goal were like I don't know, sixty six to nine or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. could have been worse. Not the same. So okay. uh, West Vancouver has a number of academies at their schools. They've really done a lot of work in that uh, field, and one of them is a robotics mm. academy. And uh, Todd Ablett, who runs the course, uh, told me that a lot of engineering people around the world say that a lot of kids come out of engineering courses with computer knowledge but they're not really hands-on like they used to be this course is hands-on this was a beautiful sunny day during spring break at west van secondary school and these are robotics academy students who'd rather be at school than on vacation yeah i'm sure everybody in here loves it more than i mean anything else they could be doing during spring break the robotics academy program was the brainchild of this man Todd Ablett, who believes this academy should not be as unique as it is. I, I mean, I, I argue that this is the most important time in human history to be able to learn because of the rapid change in our knowledge. First, we should put in the base motor. A big part of this academy is building robots for worldwide competitions, which in just its third year of existence has been incredibly successful. So... Two years ago we came in fifth in the world and last year we came in second. The competition aspect of this course teaches one other thing, teamwork. No matter what grade the students are in, they work together. Our academy is perfectly spread out over, the main one spread out over four years. There's grade 12s working with grade 9s and vice versa, right? Um, and that's another huge important skill, learning how to work in the world and how to interact in the world. And the world is noticing this academy. Ariel earned a full-ride scholarship to Harvard for mechanical engineering. It made me like super proud of myself, but like everybody else as well. And I just felt like it was, it was like, thank you. <laughs> and others are already working in high-tech jobs. We have a former student that's uh, uh, working Tesla's Google plan. I have someone doing uh, with Lockheed Martin doing fighter plane stuff. And West Vancouver is more than happy that Todd Ablett approached them with his academy idea. Not only has it, you know, really been high-level expectations, but exceeded expectations above and beyond the vision. Like, we knew we would get there, but we didn't know we would get there so soon. And as that pressure leads all the way up, it means that it's more likely to form a leak at the far end. I think my main role is to just point out what's possible and kind of get them going in the right direction. So Great Worlds kids. later this month. Yeah. And Ariel, who you saw there, Do I think I it was, yes, last year, after six months of learning how to program, she was the number one programmer in the world. Really? Against wow. 16,000 schools. Soaking so it up like a sponge. Brilliant then. Yes, basically, okay. she's brilliant. Yeah. Great students and a great teacher too. What a what a difference! Yeah, that he's makes a huge too. difference. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Okay, um, last word on weather. Before last we go word on weather. In. Well, it looks like we're embarking on several days of unsettled weather, but we will have breaks in the precipitation. You're going to love your Friday, though. That's the best of the bunch. So mm -hmm. if you can get out there and enjoy it, please do so. Did you hmm, say I Sophie wonder, can get out? Because Sophie. <laughs> I wonder who won't be here tomorrow. Last minute plans. You see, yeah, yeah, you're feeling very hot. I right? am, right? Yeah, you better. I think I'm coming down. Going for a ride? Yeah. 
Uh, if you see someone of my stature on a bike with right pink now, socks, likely yeah, it's not me. It's <laughs> not me. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night.